I would wish a great lake of ale for the King of Kings. I would wish the family of heaven to be drinking it throughout life and time. I would wish the men of heaven in my own house. I would wish vessels of peace to be given them. I would wish joy to be in their drinking. Stay tuned for the show. Poets at War is sponsored by the following. I'm Ian Wilson, and I create graphic art using primarily traditional methods, supplementing with digital where it's needed. I use a real pen, a real paper, a real graphite to make my art. I like to feel my art. I've always been this way. I love the feeling of a pen or pencil in my hand, the sound of graphite scratching paper, and I love the sight of a nice black line making its way across the page. So why choose traditional art over digital? Traditional art has an organic, natural quality that seems to be missing from most digital illustrations. The illustrated books and comics that were made in the days before digital have an excellence and staying power that is just as vibrant now as it was decades ago. These are the stories that stay with you. Dr. Seuss, Winnie the Pooh, Where the Wild Things Are. People still read these. I'm currently working on my own graphic novel series, Legend of the Swordbearer, and I've also had the privilege to draw graphics for two motion comic series, along with illustrations for a small magazine, Logosophia magazine, and various book covers. Don't let traditional art fade into the dust. Help me keep it alive. You won't regret it. Visit my website at ianthomaswilson.com for more info. Welcome to Poets at War. This time on the show, we have an expert on the early Celtic church, along with, uh, you know, some interesting thoughts about lakes of beer and such. Baptist Hydro Children, it's Jason Farley in the trenches on Poets at War! The other thing I wanted to ask before we get started, are you going to Fight Life Feast? I'm planning on being there. Yeah, okay. I was just talking with David, actually, because I was on uh, Cross Politic earlier today, and I was talking to him about about it just now. And I was like, do you have anything for me to do when I get there? Or how's this going to work? He was like, still planning it, man. I'm not sure. I'll let you know. So, But I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there with lore one way or the other. Right, right. Um, whether Good. or not I I get to be on any of the panels or anything is another question. Good. Well, I'll get to <laughs> see you <laughs> after to cross politics today. We'll see if they ever let me on a panel again. It was... I I'm more interested in just seeing you there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, but yeah, it's it's just funny to me. Like I'm looking at the 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 theme of the show, and I'm like. We have a few propaganda people, but we don't have a whole lot of storytelling people yet. <laughs> right. Well, and I, and I know that they want uh, that they're that's actually one of the major problems, at least in the in the Protestant church right now, is that we're still in critic mode. Yeah, right? we're we haven't gotten into build anything mode and um, you know, are we going to be able to get into build mode? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's... they had 
to Naple last year and I haven't heard a peep out of him since then, you know, other than <laughs> all the stuff that he spouts off himself, you know? And, oh yeah. And, uh, then, you know, they, they had you, you know, and they had, you know, uh, of course there's Marcus, you know, right. mean, Marcus is right. always there. Marcus is going to be right, right in David's back pocket, you know, but it's like, <laughs> come on, man. Well, we got a growing, there, there's a growing number of, of people that understand that that the it's a theology that should be producing storytellers Mm -hmm. right and but it but it's sort of just now hitting the the frontal lobe for people that we've got this lack of storytellers well Um, yeah it's it's this thing where i think the storytellers have always known because they're automatically in that category Right. And they've been fighting battles left and right, but I'm actually just starting to hear not locally. Um, unfortunately, the South is predictably behind on certain things. <laughs> is it? Okay. Um, unfortunately, uh, but there's a few, you know, here and there in, in, in locally, but it's like, it, it's, it's just one of those things. And I'm not, I I'm, I'm a Southern boy. I'm from the South. I'm, you know, Scotch Irish as you get. And it's just one yeah. of those things like, I, I, I know I'm not in any way, shape or form Californian, but being raised in the nineties, I think that tinged my thinking slightly, you know? Yeah. And yep. so oh, yeah. it's, Cal- it's California ruled the, or the West coast ruled the nineties. Exactly. That's, you know, that's the reality. Yeah. And, and so I can turn my Southern accent on anytime I want to, and it's not a problem, you know, and it's my exact voice, just, you know, a little bit of Southern accent. I get angry. I might sound a little bit more like this, but it's just, it's just one of those things. Like, you know, I, I had a girlfriend in junior high that her Tennessee accent got, came out whenever she got angry. Yeah. So <laughs> if you see me doing back and forth, it's only because my screen that I have directly in front of me is disconnecting back and forth. So okay. just ignore that. <laughs> uh and we basically started, I suppose. It's just, you know, I, I yeah. kind of just wait for a beginning point and in, in editing and figure <laughs> it out from there. You know me. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah. uh on Knox Unplugged, David doesn't even tell me when he's turning yep. on the recording we just are talking and then i'm like wait are we recording now oh right okay. <laughs> yeah exactly so it's just and that's one of the things i like about it because it's like he's getting a real conversation with you for the most part you're occasionally you, like he'll catch you and you'll be couched in you know something you don't want to you don't want quite say it the way you want to <laughs> say it but you know that's always yeah. fun but i've i'm i'm less and less self-conscious all the time but that's a, that's a struggle, you know. Well, I think you've you've probably listened to the show a couple times at this point, right? Knocks unplugged, like once or twice, and yeah, yeah. That do you do you get why people like like me like it or no? <laughs> I th- I mean I think so. I I it's always so it's so hard when you're on the other side of it, mm-hmm. um, where it, especially when you feel like this has been a. Um, a conversation that you've been trying to have for a couple of decades now. Right. <laughs> and um, you're, and nobody, nobody shows any interest. I mean, I was just talking to Jared Longshore about this mm-hmm. where all of a sudden people are saying, Oh dang metaphysics. I I can see how not having one has gone so terribly wrong or not having a, a one that is, 
is uh thoughtfully christian is going terribly wrong right now right and, and, e so, and even more plainly and simply having a meta narrative period yeah, exactly, instead of right. a single primary narrative of which there is no other narrative right let's just like <laughs> right. we don't have any other idea of a bigger broader scope of existence than our own vain whatever you know like yeah exactly our own vain world like I'm a, um, I'm the center of the universe and everybody else is a bit character in my life. Right. Exactly. As <laughs> yeah. opposed to all of us being bit characters in Jesus's life, which right. is what, exactly. exactly what it yeah. is. <laughs> and he has this habit of like pulling bit characters into a story that he's telling because he loves the dance sequences. And he's yeah. like, Hey guys, check this out. This is going to be great. And he pulls us into the parts that he enjoys and shares them with us. But it's such a different way of approaching your life, um, you know, that then what we want to do, you know, which is be self-centered and, yep. and, and obnoxious. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. The other swing side of that whole thing is uh, the, uh, the artists, you know, and their, uh, usually instinctual understanding of meta narrative and metaphysics yeah um a lot of that i find comes with uh, dyslexia and adhd um and 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 the thing is like I, we i just discovered i had adhd like just mm -hmm. a couple of months ago i didn't even know i mean it's I'd, it's I'd never heard anyone talk about it or anything it was to, to me it's like equivalent to how people talk about cherokee as native americans like a dyslexia is like the least disabled dyslexia and ADHD, I would say are the least disabling of all of them. Like no one ever notices <laughs> okay. them. You know what I mean? So they just pass, right. yeah. you know, yeah. as, yeah, mm -hmm. as, as neurotypical people, as they call them now, I hate that phrase, but you know, what I mean? neuroatypical is that it's uh, called neurotypical is like oh, someone who is supposedly normal right oh okay and then uh neuroatypical would be anyone who has anything from autism to dyslexia to whatever you know their, their brain doesn't work right and i'm sitting here going there is no normal <laughs> well sin, my wife sin wrecked everything yeah exactly my wife came home just a few months back and said hey i just read a description of adhd do you know what that is i'm like i've heard of it and i've like you know i'm, I'm a, sort of aware and they I called said, it add not... back in your day i think yeah exactly exactly and so she's like well let me let me read you a description <laughs> and, she's, and i was like that's funny you're making fun of me because i thought she was just describing things about me that frustrated her <laughs> we're gonna get to the celtic church people don't worry but <laughs> I, will, I, I, I i was but just was, gonna, was actually reading a real description too, it yeah. was really funny and i was oh, like yeah. and so it's been helpful because so I, I went and studied it and figured out you know what some of the uh symptoms are and what causes it and some of the brain brain stuff um that help you know helps you just figure out how to how to be more it's not even productive but just how to be um more self-aware of some of the things that maybe you know are getting in your way that you don't so live in it. some controlled yeah. chaos right to to <laughs> right. Help, yeah. help you through your day uh no but the i i think you'd find this interesting uh, this was i was saying we're going to get to the celtic churches i have a small tangent on my dyslexia so 
Um, <laughs> my dyslexia is not seeing letters backwards. Right. And I right. was actually diagnosed um, by my aunt, who was a special needs teacher professionally. Okay. okay. So for what what it matters, she didn't like write anything down about it. But she said, you know, definitely. Um, my situation is I cannot read text um, without turning it into a voice in my brain using my imagination. Oh, Okay. So I can look at text for hours on a page and that combined with astigmatism. Okay. What, what ends up happening is, is I'm trying to focus on a page first to get what the letters are saying, then to turn it into like, you know, sound in <laughs> my brain. Give it, an, give it an accent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Give it an accent, you know, give it a voice. And so all those things combined cause all kinds of backups you know, in the entire system. And yeah. as a result, I couldn't, I didn't really read until probably second or third grade, like really actually okay. read. Right. Yeah. And so for me, it was just one of those things where, but all, like I knew my phonics and my language arts and I was like poet from the get go. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. It's, and it's but, just because everything's oral to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I, mean, I, I yeah, uh, yeah, I think that that a lot of the um, a lot of the just the even the idea of neurotypical is a way of of thinking in terms of I mean what what moderns do is we want to break people down into groups for you know identity groups. Yep. Um, and uh, and you lose the ability, I think, to celebrate the differences yeah um you know but when you're trying to when everybody's supposed to be a cog that fits into a machine you got to right. get them all shaped the same that's the, and the thing is the there, idea. there are cog humans that god made and they're no less <laughs> right. valuable and they're awesome you know what yeah. i mean and and this is the thing like we can't treat them in Ma Machiavellian. I've been using that term so much more since Knox on Plug. Machiavellian ways. Uh, like, sure, there might be people who are more, you know, like Marcus, more Walt Disney, you know, visionary kind of people. Yeah. And then there are people who make those things happen, you <laughs> right. know, and right. like, that's not wrong on either end. Right. And, and, and like, this is something that my wife had to kind of pound into me because she's the most, uh, using terms that we know, huffle puffy hobbit you can possibly <laughs> imagine. And I right. mean that with all the endearment in the world. She's, she's uh, just, she's a cartoon character of, of, of just cutesy joy. And I just love her. <laughs> um, and she, uh, she's told me over and over with very, you know, uh, little girl angriness that's, adorable and cute you can't sit here and think you're some kind of creative elite joshua <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right yeah and and that's a trap that we fall into you know it is um, yeah so i remember a uh um when i was a brand new christian uh, a missionary i can't even remember where he was from but he was an overseas missionary coming through and it was the first time i'd ever heard an overseas missionary talk and so i was really excited and at the end, it was something along the lines of, and if you aren't focused on overseas missionary work, then you are not serving God. And I was like, oh, no, 
that I'm not doing overseas mission. It has never been. And then the guy that was discipling me was like, yeah, everybody thinks that way. Everybody thinks whatever they're doing is the most important thing because you have to think it's the most important thing to do it. But you also have to remember that God calls other people to the most important thing in their life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, was very, it was really helpful. I was grateful to have uh, Dan Finney who um around to be like, no, you don't need to feel guilty. That's fantastic. <laughs> Every time you talk about the people that God put in your path at all the right times, it's it's just inspiring to me. You know, I I kind of just I ended up taking them for granted for a long time, but I was given those people from birth. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's the crazy thing. Like I, I had to listen to him for ages and ages, beat me over the head with various things to finally get stuff, you know? (laughs) And so it was a little bit different. Um, but it's either way, it's glorious, you know? Um, and I guess, you know, with that being said, I had talked about, you know, God's given me some ridiculous heritage. This is me trying to segue sloppily into the <laughs> Celtic church. So just bear with me. I talked previously in our, in our past episode um, about the uh, ridiculous history of uh, family members I've found in genealogy. Like I said, it's folklore. Right. So it's, you know, whatever, but like, I just had William the Conqueror come up recently, yeah, you know, right. just random stuff like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> one of the most looking back through all of that and trying to parse you know what was happening in this period where were my people here where were my people here this is kind of the reason why i wanted to talk about the celtic church um okay uh i have my own kind of picture i think everyone kind of has to rebuild their picture because there's so much uh, not so much so much varying information about you know, t- time that was so ridiculously long ago. Um, and of course the world was shifting and changing like it is now. And people are not going to have a good picture of 2020 in the year, 2020, 22, you know, <laughs> right, 22. Right. <laughs> um, so like, I don't know, man, like there's a, to give you a little bit of, let, let me do this. I'll give you a little bit of this, the, the places where I've gotten most of my info, And you can kind of tell me where you've gotten yours and what's what as far as you see it. Does that work? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, So basically uh, what I have, the main, well, I wouldn't even say the main text. The main text is, is like I said, the listening. I've been listening to uh, Pastor Joe Moorcraft on the topic of world history and whatever else for a long time. Uh, I was raised in that. I I did okay. some other random research online. Um, some other books that I've read. Um, it was been a while, but the how the Irish saved civilization or whatever mm-hmm. that book is. Um, and then a few just other random pieces and things, old texts that I could find, uh, particularly about the high king system and the transfer of power during Patrick's time. Um, And some of that was Catholic. Some of that was uh, people currently trying to translate the, the ancient stuff, you know, whatever. Um, I know about the, the, a little bit about Brendan and some of the 12 apostles, but I'm really more interested in that. Um, in particular, and then this book that no one seems to know about except Pastor Joe. I've asked Glenn Sunshine about it, and he doesn't know about it. And it's really fascinating in what it posits, and 
uh, it was written back, I want to say like the 30, uh, 30s or something like that. Okay. Oh, wait, no. Uh, this one says 1855. So maybe it was as far back as that. Okay. Um, so it's the history of the coldies, the ancient clergy of the British Isles by um, Duncan McCallum. Are you familiar with this book? No. Okay. Um, it's on Amazon. I'll give you a link some point. Um, and it's on, it, you can find it free too. It's like 208 pages. And this is a Northern Irish Protestant uh, Presbyterian, I believe. Okay. Minister who is essentially positing and trying to make, you know, source claims and whatever else. Of course, I don't have time to research everything <laughs> that particularly the actual Romans who were in Britain were on, they tried to work with Patrick, but it was kind of on a completely different track in, in, you know, being a mission to the, the Irish and Patrick had uh, much more of a basic, uh, what we would think of during 1855 and even now, Protestant idea of uh, worship in particular, you know, where they worshiped, what they did, the, 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 the sorts of uh, the, the emphasis on the, the word being preached, um, not that there wasn't an emphasis. I think Duncan goes a little too far in certain places to you know, say word of God, word of God, word of God, as opposed to the mass, you know, whatever right. else. And, yeah. and, and, and I mean, you're CREC, so, you know, like, I, I believe the same as y'all. I believe that we should have far more of an emphasis on the Lord's table than we do in the, in the, but, but at the same time, in let's a, not lose the, Ameri- the word of American God. Presbyterian. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, um, let's not lose that in the process. Um, I don't anyway, but the, the, the point being that he's, very staunchly talks about how that form of worship flourished during that time and that 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 the way patrick told wove the stories and 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 tied it into their metaphysic um their pagan metaphysic was how that was so much more vibrant and growing and the, the uh, there was actually some active ca- uh, catholic sabotage roman sabotage during that time um, with the with the monasteries during Patrick's life, yes. Oh, interesting. So I haven't read anything about that. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, um, that sound that sounds really interesting. So my um, I can give you sort of my my take on that whole situation mm-hmm. um, because so my uh, my first son's middle name is Saint Patrick. Mm-hmm. So Cedric yes. St. Patrick Farley, right? With so the ST it, period. It, yeah, with the <laughs> ST period. It's and he would he just got his driver's license today and he was he was upset that they couldn't put a period onto his driver's license in his name. And he's like, No, well, but it has a period. And they were like, Well, we actually don't have the ability to add that in. And he was bummed out um that he wasn't gonna have a a, a period in his name on his driver's license so that's going to be my son with cademan because he actually has the ash like on his uh uh, uh what, what do you call it the uh birth the, certificate the, the ssn actually he actually has the, the <laughs> ash on his ssn that's great for those who don't so, know what i'm talking about ash it's the the ae combined um that 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 little character in the name cademan um but uh and then my wife she has a space in her name her first name 
Um, oh, okay. It's K A Y space C E E. That that's her first name. So we, fantastic. we we deal with that all the time. We deal with yeah. computers truncating it to K, thinking yeah. that C is a middle name. C is the middle name. Yeah. And 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 we have you know all kinds of other things that happen. So it's just it's funny that way. Like we we have this this. That that, that, that that goes to the meta stuff that we've been talking yeah, about too the idea exactly. that we can just cut everything down like that you know does uh, does so does the rest of your family go as the sunshine band so she can be casey in the sunshine they've band. made that joke yeah. a lot of, over her, the case of her life and yeah she lo- actually loves the band we joke about that's, it being her that's be- a great being band. Her band yeah great oh, yeah. drummer right? honestly yeah okay what's your favorite favorite song Casey from and Casey the and the Sunshine Band. Band? Uh-huh. Um, well, they're they got it's walking on sunshine. That's Casey and the Sunshine no, Band. Katrina right? and no. the Waves. That's Katrina and the Waves. What uh Casey and the Sunshine Band? I mean, they come up on the radio all the time. I don't know. <laughs> You're trying to think. Uh, I'm that's trying the, to think. Well, the the two biggest ones, in my opinion, are Shake, Shake, Shake Your Booty. Yeah. And uh that's the way I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh okay you know. so i that that's my I, favorite. I really like shake 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 mm-hmm. shake 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 mm-hmm. your booty just because mm-hmm. that is a that's a i mean that's like do the dishes with the family right sort of song <laughs> you know that's a that's a great one <laughs> yep yep but uh yep. but but yeah so the, okay but that back gives to you st patrick of, yeah. yeah that kind of gives you a from casey and the sunshine band right. to st patrick it's pretty, yeah total sense so it's, so yeah like this is kind of like the view that i'm going with i know the story of slain uh uh slain castle where you know he gives uh the the high king he, he burns the fire and gives the high king you know the the gospel and everything else yeah. i know that story i know some other you know catholic type stories and things i'm not saying they're not true or whatever or one way or another i'm just saying like the the snake thing it always seemed weird to me <laughs> you know yeah um, and, driving the snakes out and you know what's what's difficult in all of those stories is sometimes you know the the stories are told uh the the way that we tell you know stories now like the did did george washington ever cut down a cherry tree um you know is is not as important as did that story inform the way we thought of what it meant to be an American. By the way, we right? still do this in modern times and it's oh, not yeah. always bad, such as goofy TikTok videos where they pull a prank on someone, but the whole thing is poorly acted and, but you get the point of the prank and it's funny. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> you know? It's that the, the, there's always a storytelling aspect to being um, being a people and sometimes the stories become so important to the way we think of ourselves as a people group that the question of historical accuracy isn't the question people are asking anymore right and then people in modern and postmodern times come along and they say well but did it really happen and you're like well you're kind of missing the whole point of right. the whole thing right so um and it's not that historical accuracy is or isn't important it's that it's not always the question that's being asked right um and so uh but but in terms of the history of of the celtic people and their conversion they're converted fairly early on um you know the the first uh albin is the first martyr and he's in he was a roman 
uh, he was a Roman, but he's a Celtic Roman. And so they're coming through and during the, when the Roman empire is ruling, um, you already have churches being established. So the Roman roads led throughout Europe um, and they led, they led, they were in Africa, they were in Europe, they were in the Middle East. The Roman roads um, were used to spread the gospel really early on, including up into the, uh, up amongst the Celts. And we don't know necessarily who brought the gospel to the, uh, to the Celts. We know who ended up bringing it to Ireland, but there were actually Celtic groups in England, um, in, uh, in Scotland, in France, um, and in Ireland, there were, there were Celtic tribal peoples all throughout. Yeah. And, and to be, to be clear to everyone else, we're not talking about necessarily the individual tribes. And we're even saying that we're Celtic. We're using the modern version of the, of the term, which kind of means all that area. Yeah. That, um, that whole, the, the, so it was a large tribal system, the Isle of um, man, the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> the know? whole thing. And so there in a similar way, you know, up here in the Northwest of America, up into British Columbia, you have, what are called the Salish, um, and it's a series of tribes, um, and each of the tribes it had its own identity within the group, but then the Salish also had an identity as a right. as a group of tribes that spoke uh, Salish, and the Celts, um, you the uh, went all the way down into Gaul, um, up to Ireland, up to Scotland. Uh, all throughout so so they were a as a people group they were spread fairly um fairly wide and and broad um but they were uh they didn't um some of some of them were integrated into the roman empire and joined up because they were conquered and that was sort of how it worked your tribe got conquered and so you joined up into the empire and and joined the military and um but some of them didn't. So uh, you had within the Celtic peoples, you had uh, the Scots who were in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, not, not confusing <laughs> that, at all. That, well, that's funny because like Scotia is a word that we think Nova Scotia, New Scotland, but Scotia was Ireland. <laughs> it was Ireland. Yeah, it was the Ir <laughs> Irish. It was New Ireland. Um, but the and then you had the Picts who were in Scotland. And you had the Brits who were in England, not to mention um, the Gauls, <laughs> and then the Gauls who were in France. Mm -hmm. um, and as the as the church came through, the um, a lot of British uh, Brits were converted. They weren't British yet because they weren't a nation a nation yet. But Brits were um, they were the ones that uh, joined up the with the Roman Empire. So the the Brits were a tribe that um, joined up with the Roman Empire uh, for the most part. and But they were also the ones that were converted uh, the most. The Scots were never, or I mean, the, the Picts were never uh, a part of the Roman Empire. Right? So the Wall of Hadrian is where they stopped the advance of the Roman Empire. And um, they they were the ones that painted themselves blue and and charged down and and they were called the women from hell or different they had different names for them <laughs> in latin 
um they were terrified of them they would they didn't fight in straight lines the fog would roll in and they would and uh you would just think it was just a fog but they would be hiding in the fog mm-hmm. and as the fog overtook the roman um the roman guards suddenly a bunch of them were dead mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> so they were terrifying they were very warlike and then um the scots uh over in ireland um w- the the scots and the picts kept their animism the Brits and the Gauls joined up in the Roman Empire and became and, and joined that that form of their their religion um, was subsumed into the empire and became a part of the uh, it was less animistic. Pantheon, yeah. Yeah. And more a part of the uh, Pantheon, which is a sky based religion. Right. Mm-hmm. So the em- empires and empires tend to have sky based religions. Um, and we're building to the sky sound familiar yeah exactly <laughs> um and so you have uh the the but the the animism um is is much less centralized um it's and the what happened is the the um the brits sent missionaries to all of the celtic speaking peoples and began converting the Scots and the Picts um, through their uh, a very aesthetic, ascetical type of, of Christianity because separating from animism um, is, is much more difficult than separating from an imperial religion. True. Because an, imper- yeah. an imperial religion is, it has, there's plenty of room for you to continue to exist. Right. Um, you, uh, whereas an animistic in animistic religions, there's no secular space. Okay. So help, help me out with this. Um, we've got, you've kind of broken it down to animism and more the Roman religion, but I know there's obvious other influences too. The, the Druids also had some other stuff going on, you know, um, with, with nature stuff that wasn't just animism, it was trees and whatever else. And, you know, uh, the, the sacred nine and all those other sorts of things, yeah. you know, well, the, the Druids. So we don't, we actually don't know as much about Druids as people like to say. Oh yeah. Um, no. Sometimes. Yeah. And the, so. say, and the other, and the other influence that we also don't know as much about, which I was going to bring up and you can bounce back and forth and do whatever is uh obviously the norse gods you know odin you know etc right. etc which well, had they, a big influence because of the vikings but they they end up having um an influence down the road a little bit and that and yeah. which is which is really i think fun to talk about but what you have so with the druids they're it's they're a um they're a uh an animistic and, and it, sort of an attempt at a religious animism rather than you know uh, most animate so you know i had a a neighbor who was an animist um and who new age mysticism style new it was but it was he was raised in it so he was raised so he was multiple generations separated from christianity didn't grow up knowing any christians and uh was raised in sort of like an hippie animistic cult up in the okay. woods, woods of the santa cruz mountains mm-hmm. and uh he said you know when you and he said oh i mentioned something about being a pastor and he was like oh he was like oh i, I worship trees mm-hmm. i was like okay tell ex- 
explain explain this how that me, works. Right? That's amazing. <laughs> you said, you know, when you're when you, you you go off into the woods, you find it and uh, and the oldest tree that you can, then you sit in front of it and you tell it your problems, you tell it your hopes, and 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 I said, okay, d- does the trees ever talk back? I gotta know, right? <laughs> and he was like, no. Not really. He said, I'm not crazy. And I said, well, if you ever want a God that talks back, you know, I've got one of those. And he was like, oh, interesting. I'd never even thought of that. A God that might talk back. This is where Knox, if this was Knox Unplugged, would be like, and we lost the really reformed Baptists. (laughs) (laughs) About God talking back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he does. I mean, it's in the word. It's in the word of God. And then it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's all, but yeah, anyway, but, um, but there's a, a kind of animism that where is kind of to each his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but within, uh, uh, but the difficulty is what do you do when you run into a spirit that's more powerful than you? And that's mm-hmm. where druids and, and just which doctors, you know, come in is they've got control of a spirit that it is more powerful than the spirit that's giving you trouble. And um, so, uh, but they it, real quick, can, real quick. Yeah. Did you ever see Princess and the Frog? Uh, see it? I've read the book. The oh no, D- Princess the and the Frog. Yeah, 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 the Disney one. Sorry, I was thinking of. That's um, one of the things, things like that I absolutely one. love is how they handled all the. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's I, totally real. He's totally mechanistic and Machiavellian about the whole thing. Yeah, but they have the upper hand the entire time. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it's so well done. Like <laughs> it I, is. I, I'm surprised. The music is great well in that movie, and yeah, that it, it's it, unfortunate that I'm movie came out. Best. That movie came out right as they were in the process of dismantling um, the Everything. the marketing department and then mm-hmm. rebuilding it. So. It actually didn't get the marketing that it ought to have is unfortunate. So, but, um, but you see that. So with some of the Druidic influence, um, you know, you see, you see the, the way that they are kind of, um, well, you've got like Stonehenge, for example, um, which was in the old stories. It's, it's, ethiopian giants Mm -hmm. bringing stonehenge up and setting it up for them and um and it's interesting i hadn't heard that one (laughs) yeah it's so the way that they that story story. was told yeah Mm -hmm. is that 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 stonehenge was basically delivered as a gift Mm -hmm. um by ethiopian giants in and set up up there and that's how they got those giant stones set up in exactly the calendrical position the, it's a giant calendar yeah that, to be able to mark out things and that that the reason that the way they could do that is because ethiopian giants brought it to them and set it up for them so uh <laughs> so you um but what happens is as the as um as the celtic groups are converted because they're coming out of animism um it's a much more ascetical Christianity that they mm-hmm. set up because they, they need that. Um, it's almost like, um, you know, re drug rehab, but it's like pagan rehab, right? You, you got to go dry. You got to go real dry um, for a, a little bit it's before penance. you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I think even 
even more than penance it's like a the all, every single habit of every part of your life um is attached to some spiritual entity right and so when paul says uh you that the you, you when when paul talks about the elements um he's talking about the spiritual elements of an animistic type of religion right that you, you know, that um that the the elements are melted with burning fire by the gospel um that's what was going on in those celtic situations is mm-hmm. there's uh animism is much harder to convert from than imperialism because in imperialism there's an entire secular space uh which your is your life is you know functioning and it doesn't change everything the way it does in an animistic context um this is this is you know like like you mentioned cademan a big part of the problem of converting the tribes um was when they converted you lost everything Mm. and so it wasn't until you actually had a a family style a family-like community established in london that you began getting any sort of conversion amongst the tribal peoples because you had to say, look, when you leave that gang, you can join our gang. When right. Leave, it was tribalistic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was tribalistic. Well, they didn't have the same sort of setup um, amongst the Celts. And so um, the, they began establishing aesthetic, ascetic um, places. And then eventually those places became monasteries as people converted uh, and it was a place where they could leave behind that animistic uh, religion, and mm. you know it. it so, um, but that that but that Christianity never had. Uh, it didn't have that the same sort of bishop set up. It had more of a. Uh, it, it was organized a, 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 the way that they knew how to organize, which is along tribal elder type of a setup right so right um the it was ordered it was ordered in a more similar to a presbyterian yeah. setup than a imperial setup the way um the by the time you get to the fifth sixth century the roman catholic church is set up um yeah so when the uh but then what happens is the anglo-saxons come over from germany right and are ruthless uh, in their conquering and their pushing back of the Brits and the Brits are then pushed over into Wales mm-hmm. and the Brits become the Welsh. Yes. Which is confusing. And the Anglo-Saxons become the British. Yes. <laughs> There's some mix where there, there are some Brits that hang around, but the Anglo-Saxons, it's a reason that the, that Britain is filled with the English is because the Brits are pushed into Wales and the Anglo-Saxons, the Angles, the Saxons, and the Jutes take over. And so now the English are ruling Britain and the Brits are ruling Wales. Right, right. So the the the, the one thing that I, going back to the animism a little bit and the animism versus the, the empire kind of thing, that I'm, it just doesn't quite fit I, like it does fit in one sense and it doesn't fit in another <laughs> okay that that animism would be harder to convert from than uh the empire to me it's it's 
two different types of conversion you know you've got you've got you've got your what we think of as conversion in many cases especially um in baptist circles and that sort of thing is this radical changing experience right right but but then there's also the fact that these people are so completely steeped for thousands and thousands of years in the idea that all of nature it's like a psalm 19 thing yep all of nature is completely interconnected and intertwined in such a way that there are central points even if there isn't a central point right and then all of a sudden you blow their mind with the cent- the central point christ like yes it's harder to leave leave things behind like 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 uh what uh camel through the eye on a needle kind of you know whatever that kind of a thing right but like at the same time i feel like the second that seed is laid there's going to be less resistance than all the instantaneous conversions you know over time yeah i could i could see how that is probably the experience of of some of the folks there what is difficult is building when when you've got um when you know when you've got a an imperial you know it's it's it, when you're in a city it's easier to find other christians that's right when you're out in a rural area and it's there's no christians and then you get saved um it's harder to say well what does it look like to be a christian And their response was, I can't take part in anything that the pagans are doing. Now, whether that was exactly right or wrong, that is, that is what happened. And so there was a separatism in the the Celtic Christianity um, and a mysticism, not, not mysticism in the way we think of mysticism. Right. um, But, but you, they didn't have the same sort of direct uh, connection to the to they didn't have the connection to rome the connection to the bishop system um that the that you had in other places and so you could say well it's easier to communicate and find out what do we believe about this or what do we believe about that as christians um and and so there was because they were beyond the edges of the empire um at that point right Mm -hmm. and so i think that is probably more than anything what what so so you have this tradition developing that's beyond the edges of the empire um that doesn't develop heresies which is one of the things that i find fascinating it you don't end up with a heretical group um but you end up with a group that uh doesn't come into conversation with the with roman christianity um really until and that's kind of duncan uh, mccallum's whole point in this book he really doesn't they don't have a whole lot of this going on there right there, was, there were certain ascetic people like you were saying but at the same time there was also vibrant families that were converting you know what i right. mean like yep so yeah you have well you you end up with a uh really a converted clan system yeah um that that is that is legally at least in canon law it becomes a major part of the argument for presbyterianism after the reformation is they look back and they say, actually Scotland had a Presbyterian system before Rome ever sent missionaries. Yeah. And that goes all the way through the reformation to the Scots Irish today, you know, and them all fighting in the war for independence. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's our heritage. 
it is there's a major so it's a it it's a real move of the spirit that has caused all sorts of legal trouble in the church but i love <laughs> i you know i love that stuff that's great because what yeah. ends up happening is the bishop of rome um ends up sending a missionary named augustine mm-hmm. to uh to to come over and uh, reach out to the Anglo-Saxons with the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So they land in London and begin the process of converting the Anglo-Saxons, which goes fairly quickly, right? You've got, I believe there were seven kings in England at the time um, amongst the Anglo-Saxons. And um, they all end up converted fairly quickly, but they're converted by a missionary sent by Gregory, Gregory the Great, the um, who was a great man, a great man of God, a wonderful missionary. He was also the first one to claim the supremacy of the Roman bishop, hmm. which was an error. Yeah, but <laughs> he was him. He was himself a, an excellent man of God, and he his, I mean his book on um, what it on how a pastor a pastor should think about his own job is still i think one of the great classics of pastoral theology um but he what happens is all of the ones converted by that missionary are very loyal to rome because they're grateful right well but then they run into the welsh who were converted um long before they came over and then there's already animosity because they the Welsh remember all of the atrocities that the Anglo-Saxons committed. There's still and, some of that today, man. <laughs> right, there is, right to this day. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Longshanks didn't help and you know, all that. But but they end up getting in a fight over the date of Easter because there is a way that the Celtics yeah. date Easter. Mm-hmm. And, um, the Celtic Christians are dating Easter. And then the Roman Christians are dating Easter a particular way. The Celtic Christians are dating Easter the same way that Pelagius dated Easter. Pelagius was condemned in the same council that the uh, that the decision on how to date Easter was decided. And so they assumed these Celtic Christians were Pelagians and that that's why they dated Easter this way. <laughs> well, that's right? fun. And so, yeah, so you end up with this... Um, perfect storm that causes uh, about a hundred years of lack of fellowship between the mm-hmm. Celtic Christians and the, the Roman Ang- English Christians mm-hmm. um, that eventually though, they realize, Oh, well, maybe we don't actually need to kill each other anymore. And the, the Welsh end up accepting a Roman Bishop Mm-hmm. Uh, a bishop a bishop that is in line with the archbishop right, of canterbury right. who's in line with rome um uh, and then eventually the irish and the scottish do as well mm-hmm. um until you get to um henry who then reseparates england um through a whole series of legal arguments and legal cases uh, he ends up then i think separating the british empire um, from the <laughs> from Rome, and then eventually that gives the Scots and the Northern Irish the ability to then separate from uh, 
the entire Episcopal system and uh, establish something else. And that's how America was born. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's so crazy to me. Like we, well, first of all, without having read the book, obviously um, everything you just said, at least gives holes in which all these postulations can kind of fit into, which is, <laughs> right, which yeah. is fascinating well, I'm have to, to me. Check because, out that book. It looks really interesting. Yeah. Well, the, the second uh, I, I mentioned it to Glenn Sunshine, he kind of just scoffed and laughed at me, you know? Um, <laughs> and I'm like, this is a really old book, man. Like, and I it could be totally wrong. And the guy was crazy and whatever else, but my pastor's pretty good at history. And like, there's, I just like to see what you thought, but yeah. And I'm not saying that he, he probably just, was like yeah i'm talking to a hundred people at the fight laugh feast conference whatever you know whatever i'm not saying it was mean or anything yeah. um but like the the whole thing is like i'm fascinated by this because you know i can talk about the talking this this sort of language with you because you and i have both been and i'm still in my local area trying to uh as a mission quite frankly opening people's minds to some of the more what they would either call us Catholic or charismatic for. (laughs) Um, But the, uh, the uh, there's the spirit among all of these Celtic tribes and peoples. And I'm realizing more and more I'm Gaulish than anything else. If we're going all the way that back that far, I'm more Gaul than anything. Um, But the particularly with the Irish with, people who followed after Patrick and who followed after Columbo. Um, there's all like since Iona <laughs> pretty much, there has been this sense to me, this spirit of anti-tyranny, Presbyterian representative, good, good magistrates over evil tyrants thing that has been going since Iona um and I tie it back to Iona because they had all kinds of nonsense going on at that point like we just talked about yeah and I just I I feel like you know we talked the last time about some of the neo-celtic musical influences particularly in the south i'm finding out i'm finding it's slightly re- regionalized but i think it it is going all over the us um the you know the gettys etc etc yeah i really feel like there's so much more subliminally going on and that's not even the right word but that's the closest i can come to spiritually going on even with uh all of these you know people who are fighting against crt who are dispensational who are southerners who don't know if there's any hope they're they're turning into william wallace freedom i'm on i'm on the table getting ripped open territory and like that and it's not just braveheart like there's something they know that there's something in that history even though if they don't know what it is and they know that they are not even like this British imperial thing. They're not Saxons, most of them. Right. You know, they're actually like, like you said, the Scot- uh, the Scots and the Picts, and they're the Gauls, and they're you know all these other things. The Gauls have an interesting function just because of the whole Frankish Empire that came later, and the fact that like, even though like 
we, I, I feel like because of King Arthur, a lot of our idea of a knight are, are, are like we immediately go back to knights in medieval times. It immediately goes back to Britain because we're English speakers. Right. But, but most of that came from France, <laughs> you know? Um, and so there's this code of chivalry and everything else. And I, I there's this spirit that I, I can't shake. And I know other people are wanting to delve and dive deeper into it, but they're afraid to for whatever reason, <laughs> you know? And it's just this weird thing that I'm experiencing. And I can't, I can't really put it any more clearly than that, you know? Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember the name. I think it was, it it's it, like England and Taliesin maybe it, that mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis talks about the two spirits of England that have been at war um since the gospel arrived i have actually read that a while ago but yeah well i don't know if that's the title but i know what you're talking about yeah i I, it's it's in um the 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 third space trilogy where he yes he does some explaining but then it's also in some of his stuff that he wrote for charles williams yeah that's Um, where i'm thinking of is from the space trilogy i'm thinking yeah you know ransom as as the pen dragon and all that right the pen dragon and so and i think and and I think that what Lewis is on to is exactly this thing that there is that there is a um that there's always two uh spirits at war mm-hmm. within whatever covenant system um God has set up right because of mm-hmm. our rebellion um you know that and it's you're going to have the same sort of thing in Russia you mm-hmm. know that there's the, that there is the Russia that God is bringing, the the Russia God intended, that mm-hmm. He's that God is bringing into pat bringing to pass by the power of His Spirit, and then there is the the Russia that is fighting against it. Yep, and um, that they just the same way an individual who's in covenant with God has spirits warring within himself, yep. that the nations have spirits warring within themselves for the the control of the nation. Um, and uh and i that's something that i think because of our individualistic assumptions we don't know what to do with when we run into it yeah um and uh but but it has i mean it it works its way out in laws and the way that you have revolutions and you know the whole thing is a working out of the what god intends for an, an a person or an institution or, or uh, a covenant people and what um our sin wants to do with it what yeah. wants to turn it into so i do think that um so when you say well what you know the the something like the spirit of the celtic church uh is is still alive that's i think that's totally true yeah and um there is a uh, a misuse of that a way to yeah see, and then you know there, there's a, a really good uh collection i think it was called celtic spirituality um and it was just a collection of writings from celtic christians mm. and what's interesting is how many of them do sound really really protestant yeah. And then how many of them also sound really, really mystical sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very... That's why very, I love was... reading anything Patrick wrote. He's just so <laughs> yeah, right? 
like he, he's me man like i don't i'm not that good at speaking i'm not that good at putting <laughs> this into language the way he did but like he is expressing what's on my heart 90 percent yeah. of the time you know when he's very well balanced he's very gospel centric he loves yeah, the he word is. he's also very poetic he's um, very holy and, spirit centric in the same way calvin was you know right yeah exactly right he and and so there's a um but but you you've also got it in guys like St. Louis um who went and converted the the French or that um they weren't the French yet but the Franks and the, the Gauls and the, yeah, yeah Franks and um, Gauls yeah he he would he he was um well he first off he was a, he was a giant of a man and he would go into a place and lift a full barrel um, over his head, you know, like a pickle barrel, yeah. which nobody could do. You know, it was like 500 pounds yeah, and he yeah. just lifted over his head. And pretty soon people would be there gathering up to watch him <laughs> lift things. And then once he had enough of a crowd, he would then jump up onto the pickle barrel and begin preaching. And people wonder why I wear top hats, Hawaiian shirts and kilts. <laughs> right. Just so, saying. Yeah, exactly. It's PT Barnum goes along with the gospel, man. I'm just telling you, like he wasn't necessarily gospel centric, but his everything but his, that he did was like this. He, he, he borrowed all that from the charismatic circuit writers. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. From the Methodists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those old Methodists. Yep. But you had, but then you had guys like, um, you know, there was one of the most effective evangelists to the Anglo-Saxons. So they would they would send out um, poets, musicians um, to these areas. Uh, well, one of the m- most effective traveling evangelists amongst the uh, the Saxons and in, mm-hmm. um, in, in Saxony, he had this jar of dirt from Jerusalem that he thought had magic powers. When you said that, I immediately <laughs> went to Jack Sparrow. I got a jar. Yeah, yeah, I got, got a jar. Yeah. And he used to uncap it and walk around the city um, and then and pray because he thought that the jar of of dirt had special powers. And then he would close it up and then he would go in and he would preach the gospel. And, and he was a really effective preacher. And he would often say... But look out! But it, but this dirt is very powerful, and you're like, yeah, that's you. You missed that one, right? Mm-hmm. But because he was actually preaching preaching the real gospel, people were really getting saved. Yeah. Um, but he just happened to also think that this was very powerful dirt. Right? So, um, so the the story of it was of his, God... it was his Dumbo <laughs> style like magic feather. Right, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. The the story of God's uh, of God's people was, is is filled with with you know God using the jesters. To, <laughs> um, so um, I can't remember how I got off on that. Yeah, yeah. but that's okay. Um, yeah, but then but here's the the other the 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 other thing to look out for though is the. Um, in the Romantic movement in the mm-hmm. 1800s, yeah, you had a lot of people making crap up, <laughs> and then the spiritual movement, the spiritualist movement, following the that spiritualist a movement came out of there. But there's <laughs> yeah. all sorts of things that came out of that mid 1800s that have no historical fact. They're like, well, the Celtic religion the celtic spirituality the celtic right. christians were this way and that way right and they were just making stuff up so it's the same group that right. said um halloween 
came from um oh what was the that there was a the same people who say ishtar yeah ish, which my yeah, pastor ish, taught for a long time and then he learned that, that it wasn't that it wasn't true yeah, yeah. or that uh that saturnalia so they they're the ones that said oh christmas really just comes oh, yeah. from saturnalia so <laughs> they were just making that stuff up right none of it mm-hmm. was true but they were trying to find pagan roots to all sorts of practices because they wanted to get rid of jesus but keep christmas keep easter right um keep halloween uh so, oh what so, oh what was the the thing that you still hear people say oh halloween actually was sar sardin or some some well with halloween it's funny like i think that it has been more perverted than the others and i actually do with my with my daughter we've rebranded it heroween where you you can't dress up as any like you know witches or goblins or pumpkins or anything like that we're not doing that junk but we're gonna you can dress up as any any good guy any hero any any mom any you know whatever right like you the and so we we rebrand it and say heroine anyone says <laughs> halloween we just say heroine and they look us at us like we're crazy and it's great you know what i mean like yeah it's <laughs> but, but yeah. it's a uh, samahane or yeah, sam hane yeah, yeah, yeah. yes that the they that so, but that's that's that stuff was all just made up by the oh, German yeah. romantics. Oh yeah. Um, and so they were. So that romantic movement has actually done more to shade um, Celtic Christianity mm-hmm. than it has revealed much about any of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, but that, but like the, it's funny the Grimm brothers who wrote down the fairy tales. Mm-hmm. One of them was a Christian, and one of them was not. And so mm. one of them, uh, and that, and and so the one of the Grimm brothers that was not a Christian, he was big into the restoration of kind of the spiritist, yeah, stuff. That makes total and then, sense. <laughs> and then his brother ended up, uh, I believe, an ordained minister in the Lutheran Church. Was very you know conservative Christian, and so and they, but but when they were young they worked on all these you know grim brothers fairy tales together so it's really interesting the way um now you it is hard to just get straight up information about yeah celtic church that's not um romanticized that's been my experience with the crusades to basically anything Mm -hmm. from the dark ages to quote unquote dark ages. (laughs) I hate, I hate that phrase Um, until the crusades, you know, and, and slightly after that, it just, it's so crazy to me, like everything that God did through that whole entire period. And Christendom was dead as far as I'm concerned (laughs) after the crusades. And it's like, he raised it from the dead again. Like he raised European Christianity from the dead again. And then we had the reformation and everything else. And it was like, it, it almost like it's, it's like, it was a fire. Then he just, you know, like a refiner's fire and he just, yeah. you know, hammered and hammered and hammered and some good stuff happened and some bad stuff happened. Like we've talked about before, you know, and it's just, it's crazy really quickly. There's one other thing that I wanted okay. to do before we let you go. All right. Um, we, we, I wanted to dig, dig a little further into particular apostles of the Celt of St. Patrick's church, the, the 12 that, uh, which by the way, I love the fact that they just pick 12 because 12 seemed like a good idea from scripture. Cause they basically admit that, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. I, that's we just should have 12. That's, 
that's just christian thinking man you know what i'm saying like i'm sorry that's that's the the numbers mean something yeah yeah it's it's good for something i don't know what but it's good for something um and then the i'd love to know some more besides brendan that i can look into that have good stories and stuff that you can throw out my way but i wanted to tell you one thing about brendan i don't think i mentioned this on the previous uh podcast but there is a um stop me if i did there is this a uh uh you know about the whole idea of him coming to america it yep yep uh okay so do you know about the place in west virginia where they've got the where there's the uh celtic um cave carvings celtic cave carvings yeah was that from me you found out about that or no? I don't think uh, so. George Grant is where I learned that. Ah, yeah. okay. Connection yeah. to Joe, back to Joe. Yes. <laughs> Joe's actually um, been up there. Joe Morker. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, okay. So basically for the people listening, I'm going to really quickly summarize this. Um, they had what were considered Indian carvings for the longest time. A guy goes up there. Now the only, there's a little bit of question as to him because he's primary uh, uh, occupation is a dentist and that's where people attack him. But he actually translated this stuff supposedly as uh, Gaelic. There are some pictures of it, but they're very, very faint carvings and paintings and stuff at this point inside this cave. I can't find them anymore. They were online for a little while and now they're gone um as far as i can tell or google's you know google and everyone else is shadow banning them anyway okay um but the uh the situation is um did he tell you about christmas with that or no no wait is that the one where wait where the light shines Mm -hmm. on it on christmas day so you heard about this i have yeah the idea is that this is story the idea is that this this writing in this cave in ancient ancient celtic language you know gaelic whatever it is um is actually the the christmas story written out and 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 of course we know a lot of the celts and the druids and whatever else they did the sun the sun stuff the calendar like we had talked about and supposedly that when the sun shines in on christmas uh christmas day the light through a little crack that they've cut in the cave actually lights up the christmas story on december <laughs> <That's> 25th amazing <laughs> it's like i love it so much oh i know i i oh it's private land i want to go there sometime <laughs> uh but yeah it's just it's it's so crazy but there, there's a s- s- almost certain possibility that he was in west virginia at some point that's pretty darn far inland too that really is yeah you know yeah. um west virginia mountains so that would be crazy and even if it wasn't him if it was some other random you know ionian you know post columba <laughs> person you know whatever like it's just crazy but yeah so other uh apostles that we should look for stories well, um, I know that. So one of the apostles is why they're it's named Ireland now. Um, so I, I'm, I can't remember exactly his name, but he, the one that gave his name to Ireland. Okay. Um, and so, uh, Aaron is, is the Celtic for yeah, Ireland. The way we, and yeah. so. So, um, I, I know that, that, that he has some amazing stories. Okay. Um, I mean, Brendan is the one that has the, the, the most exciting stories. He's real life. Repeat cheap. 
<laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> He's just going west. Um, and then Columba as well. Uh, so mm-hmm. Columba, that's how uh he he's the one that brought uh the gospel to the picts mm-hmm. um and uh, the stories of him going up um the and it and it is hard to you know how do you sort through right um the what's true for what's not true but but i'm looking for the, good stories <laughs> those the gaelic uh missionaries they they were they were s- so much manlier than anything we do because they would just head off um they would dress like warriors but not bring swords right <laughs> so that Genius. is you know um and so you show up because it was an easy way to get yourself in front of the king right you show up dressed like a warrior and the and then they drag you in front of the king and they're like well look i don't have a sword um but i am here to talk to the king so let's go talk to him so they had mm-hmm. a very um a manly way of doing it but then also like brendan he hears that there are people out in greenland and iceland and mm-hmm. in canada right mm-hmm. he says oh there's people that way so he knows exactly what to do so they get together a group uh, he he just says we're gonna head that way because that's the way the people are right and so they get in their little leather boat and just head that direction because they've heard there's people there and they know what to do with people. You go tell them about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it's a, it's a pretty, the the, uh, St. Brendan's voyage. It's a, it's a beautiful poem. Mm -hmm. It's a a long poem. And there are things in there that you think, okay, that probably didn't happen. They probably didn't (laughs) land on a, uh, on, on an island where Judas was, you know, that right, <laughs> but, right, right. <laughs> but at the same time, when, um, so, but Columbus, uh, had and, um, he used Brendan's navigations as hmm. part of his, his argument for why he needed to be sent that way. So, wow, we know, that, we know that you can go that way and find people because Brendan did. Right. right. So when he's going traveling Europe trying to gather funds, he's using Brendan as That's part fascinating. of his, his argument, right? So um and when uh and you know there are these big blue flying fish that he talks about and yeah. um when he heads out there, he's um he says uh, you know when we got up to this point between Greenland and Ireland and there are these giant blue flying fish that joined us for a time and uh, liked it when we sang to them, they would come to the surface. And uh, it, well, everybody thought he was just making stuff up mm-hmm. until somebody uh, took his same voyage in a boat without a motor. Um, <laughs> and uh, the same giant blue flying fish showed up mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and joined him for a time. So he, he tells, so his story is historical, mm-hmm. even though there are some, you know, poetical things added to it um, that that it probably had to do with him trying to uh, teach a lesson or something, teach a lesson or kind of think allegorically about his yeah. own life, you know, so that he could tell the, his story in a way that helped other people with their Christian faith. Right. Or so, maybe something so crazy happened to him. He had to make it sound plausible. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, the. Uh, but then, you know, Columba, um, 
St. Columba, there's a, some really great stories. He's worth yeah. looking into. Yeah, I've looked into uh, him a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beyond that, you know, that that Celtic uh, uh, Celtic spirituality, it's got some great, uh, great books. And you know what's it's it's like reading other like early church fathers, yeah. uh, Roman early church fathers or Greek early church fathers that you read them and you think, I get that we speak a different language, but man, you guys feel like brothers, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you guys feel like family. Um, and, and that's, that's a lot different than, you know, when you read, uh, just ancient classical texts and I think rarely that's one do of the, they feel like family. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that like, it's such a big topic to me. We talked about this briefly on the last episode and now some, and, and a good bit more here. I was why I wanted to deep, dive deeper, like being a covenant child, who was brought into the faith at an extremely early age. Um, the first time I can remember in the, you know, uh, give your life to Jesus kind of way was eight o'clock or eight, not eight, eight, eight years old. But like, I knew God and I wanted to obey him. And I knew who Jesus was all before that, you know? Um, and <laughs> right, so right. like the, 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 the fact is for me, and, and, and the fact that my dad was, you know, he was, he doesn't believe he was a Christian as a child. I'm not so sure because there's certain fruits that he refused to acknowledge um, at an early age and things like that. And then my, I know my grandfather was a Christian from an early age and like before him, I have no clue. I know that my great grandfather was a racist. There's all kinds of other things that were going on yeah. during that time, you know, whatever. But like, I know I have an unbelievable, I've no, I've always known even before I started doing all the genealogy, like I have a rich heritage because my mother right. told me I did not yeah. just on her side, but on dad's because she knew just a little bit about some of the people. And then I start blowing it open and whatever else. And I'm finding Alfred the great and I'm finding, you know, all this other kind of crazy stuff. And to me, listening to Patrick legitimately and whether or not it's true of course like i said with the genealogy the way i do it um i'm supposed one of my great grandmothers supposedly is his sister so <laughs> so it is legitimately to me anyway personally on a personal level like we're talking the folklore it may or may not be true, right but it's right. you know whatever like it's legitimately like listening to my uncle saying Christ beneath for me, Christ above me, Christ beneath me, Christ before, whatever, you know, all that stuff. Like it is legitimately like hearing my uncle say it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, well, so, you know, my, I'm, I'm Irish. I, I haven't looked deep into, you know, right. all of everything, but, um, you know, my son who's St. Patrick would have mm -hmm. been Bridget had he been a girl. Right. Um, and have you have you heard uh, Saint Bridget's prayer? I think so, but it's been a while. I, so this might be a I, good thing to end it. With. I just I just pulled it up so I could read it to you. It's one of my favorites. Oh, it's a war. Let's hear it. Yeah, it's I. Um, I would wish a great lake of ale for the King of Kings. I would wish the family of heaven to be drinking it throughout life and time. I would wish the men of heaven in my own house. I would wish vessels of peace to be given them. I would wish joy to be in their drinking. I would wish Jesu to be here among them. I would wish the three Marys of great name. I would wish the people of heaven from every side. 
I would wish to be a rent payer to the prince. The way, if I was in trouble, he would give me a good blessing. I would like the angels of heaven to be among us. I would like an abundance of peace. I would like full vessels of charity. I would like rich treasures of mercy. I would like cheerfulness to preside over all. I would like Jesus to be present. I would like the three Marys of illustrious renown to be with us. I would like the friends of heaven to be gathered around us all part from all parts. I would like a great lake of beer for the King of Kings, right? It, uh, I, w- I would like to be watching heaven's family drinking it through all eternity. It's just this beautiful, yeah. a prayer that God would give her a lake of beer so that she could host everyone and everything and be able to, um, you know, be at, be at the disposal of, of the King of Kings with her great gift, which was hospitality. People yeah. would come from all over. I, I would like, uh, I would like a great, uh, la- a lake of beer for the King of Kings, um, so what uh i i lost my spot uh i would like to give a lake of beer to god i would love i'd love the heavenly host to be tippling there for all eternity i'd love the men of heaven to live with me to dance and sing if they wanted i'd put at their disposal vats of suffering white cups of love i'd give them with a heart and a half sweet pitchers of mercy i'd offer to every man I'd make heaven a cheerful spot because the happy heart is true. I'd make the men contented for their own sake. I'd like, I'd like Jesus to love me too. I'd like the people of heaven to gather from all the parishes around. I'd give a special welcome to the women, the three Marys of great renown. I'd sit with the men, the women of God there by the lake of beer. We'd be drinking good health forever. And every drop would be a prayer. It's I think God's a beautiful gonna, poem. I think God's going to answer that one, and I can't wait for the <laughs> lake of beer. <laughs> I know, but it, but she was known for her hospitality. She was known for her wisdom. People would come to visit from all over to get Bridget's uh, to get Bridget's advice. Um, and what's amazing is our word bride comes from her name, though she never married, because people began to say she became the the vision of 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 femininity for the Irish people for, um, for the Celtic people. And so they would say, Oh, I hope someday to, to find my Bridget. Right. And it be, it was shortened into the word bride. I hope to find my bride. And so now every woman that get, when they're married is named for Bridget for that day, because she was known for her beauty, her hospitality, her wisdom, and um, became this source of uh, the, that all of the males knew they needed one of those. Um, <laughs> so she's she's one of my Celtic heroes as well. That's fantastic. Well, now I have another girl name that I like. <laughs> so um, everyone, remember, be your family's bard. Do not turn to the right or to the left, and the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Join us next time in the trenches next to the lake of beer on poets at war god of song said